you know, you would hear the words from our client. We call them trainees. They talk to homeboy as a family. Yeah. It's really the only family they've ever had because why they joined the gang is, again, the absence of family, absence of someone who loved them. And so our different businesses are about helping people learn not just to work and show up every day and to look customers in the eye, but also to understand that you're part of a team, you're part of, you're, you're working with the enemy and you, you shouldn't be demonizing them along the way. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, and a community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal with this show is to show you, you listening to this show, that you can make a difference. You can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Thomas Vazo, the Chief Executive Officer of Homeboy Industries. Since 2012, Tom has served as the first ever CEO of Homeboy Industries, the largest and most successful gang rehabilitation and reentry program in the world. Thomas has led the nonprofit organization forward, bringing his business expertise and vision to implement a strategic and mission-driven development plan for the organization that has resulted in doubling the size of Homeboy Industries. He has cultivated Homeboy's portfolio of job training businesses like the Homeboy Bakery, Homegirl Cafe, and Homeboy Electronic Recycling. He's increased revenues from Homeboy Industries enterprises in order to decrease the organization's reliance on donations and government funding. As the organization organization receives less than 5% of annual funding from any government resources. But here's the cool thing is it is Tom's ultimate goal to work himself out of his current role and get out of the way that the men and women of Homeboy are already leading the organization into a bright future. In February, Vazo's first book, The Homeboy Way, A Radical Approach to Business and Life comes out and where he is giving readers a practical way to address some of our most vexing social issues and provide a new path for personal and business leadership. I have been a long time fan of Homeboy Industries and to have the opportunity to sit down and talk with Thomas has been just incredible. And I was blown away um, by the stories that he shared. And let me just tell you, this episode is going to knock your socks off and going to have a huge impact on you. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Thomas Vazo. Thomas, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here. I have been a long time fan of Homeboy Industries. I first came across to just to kind of give you a little background on my end. um, I worked in the anti-human trafficking space for uh, years and or volunteered, I should really say, um, with a local organization here in the Raleigh-Durham area. Um, from about 2011 till goodness, maybe like 2019, 2020, um, volunteered with this organization, was on the board. And, uh, you know, in our work, one of the things that we kind of came across was this idea that kind of that quote from Desmond Tutu of, um, you know, why are we spending all the time down the stream pulling people out rather than up the stream preventing people from falling in? And so we started doing this work in in the area, um, you know, looking at how can we be partnering with organizations in the area who are working with vulnerable populations who are vulnerable to human trafficking. And in our research and in our studies, we came across Homeboy. And um, I just immediately fell in love with the work you're doing. Um, shout out to my uh, one of my dear friends, best friend, uh, Abby Tanalia, who was the founder of that organization. She is basically losing her mind that I'm having a conversation with you yeah. because she just um, she was like, if, if Homeboy showed up on my doorstep and offered me a job, I would move there immediately. <laughs> so she's love it, just, love it. Um, just <laughs> such a huge fan of the work you're doing. So I'm really excited uh, to get to know you. So uh, just with that kind of intro, uh, without further ado, give us the Thomas 101. So tell us who you are, what you do, and kind of how you got in a roundabout way to where you are today. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but there's a lot to say there because I want to talk about Homeboy because you, you said, did such a good job of sort of setting it up. So Homeboy Industries, what we do is we help, um, we're based in Los Angeles here. We help former gang members and, and former incarcerated people change their lives mm-hmm. and really help them be contributing members of society. And it started uh, over 30 years ago, Jesuit priest, Father Greg Boyle, who's, yeah. who's still with us and still leading us along the way. 
He, his first stop as a priest was in uh, Dolores Mission, which was the poorest parish of Los Angeles Diocese. And it turned out to be the epicenter of gang violence in Los Angeles County. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Los Angeles County is the epicenter of gang violence all across the nation. So most gang members here in Los Angeles. And so Father Greg discovered, wanted to get young men out of gang life, wanted to stop them from killing each other along the way. And he really started Homeboy Industries by really the simple notion of if you give them a job where there's enough money for food and shelter, they're going to stop running with the gang because they, they're in the gangs because that's the only support system they have, the only way they can make money and the only family that they think is family that cares for them. It's a false hope. It's a false love. So what Greg started all those years ago was helping young men and women get out of gang life. And over the years, we've, we've grown and we've, we've become much larger. But fundamentally, it's about helping people heal from their complex trauma they've experienced as a young person. So all the victims of, of human trafficking are, are victims of complex trauma. And for someone to kind of change their life, they got to first heal, heal that pain and then move that forward. And so we here now at Homeboy Industries, we're, we're a $30 million nonprofit. We have social enterprise businesses. It's fundamental to what we do is helping them um, with work therapy and learn how to work, but it's about helping them heal along the way. So Homeboy was very successful for, for many, many years. Now I've been a Homeboy for uh, nine years. Prior to that, I was in, in the corporate world. I was a corporate executive uh, for 26 years, Aramark Corporation. I was executive VP. So the, my responsibilities at Aramark, I, I ran a $1.8 billion business along the way. So it was a Big, big corporate job. Those jobs have a certain shelf life. At some point, I realized, well, I love that business. My values didn't totally line up to what you got to do in corporate America. And uh-huh. I thought there was a different way to run businesses to really help people. And, yeah. I, and that's not disrespecting anything I learned at Aramark because they were wonderful to, to the people. But I wanted to kind of think about it differently. And a friend of mine, well, I'm on the board of Salvation Army of Los Angeles. And friend of mine uh, was on the board of Homeboy. And once he found out I left Aramark, he asked me to get involved and be a board member of Homeboy. And, and I, I've been board member. I just wanted, at that time, I had time on my hands. I wondered if I had learned all this stuff in corporate America, I was pretty successful. I was a you know, top corporate executive of a Fortune 200 company. You know, can I help people in a different way? And yeah. so we had lunch at Homegirl Cafe, and Homegirl Cafe is a cafe run by our trainees and the management team are former clients and former gang members. And I'm sitting there having lunch with him. He's asking me to get involved, and I'm looking around and seeing, here's this population of people I'd never had any exposure to before, and yet they're focused on their job, they're happy, they're smiling at each other, and they're doing, they're doing work. And so when he asked me to get involved, I said, sure, let me see if I can not be a board member, but roll up my sleeves and and see if I can help. Because at that time, Homeboy was going through some a financial crunch. The businesses were a little bit, you know, essentially they were run by nonprofit people as opposed to business people. And, yeah. and the mission and margin mission yeah. <laughs> balance got out of whack. And so, um, you know, it's like, I said, sure, I'll volunteer. And a couple months later, Father Greg asked me to be the CEO. And I was thinking, what does a for-profit guy who ran in the world of Wall Street know about running a nonprofit? Yeah, but the opportunity to be around Father Greg's orbit, I couldn't pass up. Yeah, and with a leap of faith, I said yes. And and wow, nine years later, it feels like it's still yesterday. But nine years later, it's it's. Uh, I just love this chapter in my life because I learned so much more about myself. And I've been on my own faith journey, but I've learned so much from being around the community of Homeboy, the men and women, the homies and homegirls, and how they change your life. And if they can change your life and find God's grace and goodness to move their life forward. And if I can be a part of that and, and experience that, it's a beautiful thing. And so I've been able to bring my skill sets, the corporate skill sets to help Homeboy. And I've learned so much more about being in the Homeboy community. Oh, my gosh, man, there's so much there that I want to unpack. Um, yeah. And obviously, I want to get to really the heart of Homeboy. But I because I'm a nuts and bolts person, I'm always really fascinated about the way that things kind of come about. So, you know, you become you get on the board and and you get connected with Father Boyle and uh, he asks you to become the CEO. But one of the things that you said that I think is such an important uh, point that I I really want to kind of break down for a little bit is and I have talked about this a little bit on the show before, but especially for those that are listening that are involved with uh, nonprofits, maybe on, you know, serve on a board, maybe you yourself are an executive director. There is this. uh I don't know what the word I want to look for is, but there is almost like this uh, plague among nonprofits. I love nonprofits. I've been on the board of them before Um, of this idea of, well, we are a not for profit. 
We don't have to worry about profit. And so we're just going to run like a nonprofit and we're not going to be innovative because we don't have to be, so to speak, Um, even though I think that that's a misguided thinking. And so you kind of talked about this idea of it was being run by nonprofit people versus business people. And in your experience over the last nine years, becoming the CEO, coming from, you know, the corporate world and really taking Homeboy in a new direction um, and running Homeboy like a business rather than like a nonprofit. What have been some of the things that you yourself came into and, and said, okay, this we've got to reframe our thinking on this, or we've got to start innovating in this area? What are some of the things sure. that you did to implement more business-minded uh, strategies in a nonprofit world and, and why? Yeah, sure, sure. I'm definitely going to answer the questions as a spirited question, but but I do want to want to pick on the words you used. Yeah. I didn't come in and make it run more like a business. Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting is I came in and used business techniques to improve certain areas. But in the end of the day, uh, I was changed a lot more by how I how I view the business and organizations and leadership than than I changed. Mm, <laughs> oh, such a good, oh, such a good oh, distinction. Oh yeah. Right. And, and I, I was just picking on your words how you said no, it. But, totally. but fundamentally to Homeboy, it's, I'll get to your question in a second, but to Homeboy, what makes Homeboy so special is when people walk through our doors, they want to get out of gang life, right? Mm-hmm. And fundamentally, what we do is we, our secret sauce is we don't judge them for the color of their skin, the tattoos on their face, the crime they committed. We just come in and, and we give them help and we are in kinship with them and we care for them and, and love them. Easy words to say, hard to do every day. Mm-hmm. And the team at Homeboy does it and hard for businesses or any organization to kind of, to, to live by that, those values. And so what I saw when I, when I sort of was observing and listening to Greg and how the team he's built was going about the mission, it's like, that is the secret sauce. Yeah. And so to me, as the leader is like, how do you keep that secret sauce going and then just fix all the other things that are around it, right? Okay. So to the spirit of your question. So we run, at that time, we run seven social enterprise businesses. We have more businesses now, but the big businesses were a bakery and our cafe. You know, we deliver, we have 11 bread routes. We deliver bread to restaurants around Los Angeles. We have our homegirl cafe that I talked about. And what was happening was, um, you know, Homeboy is a place for first chances for, for many people to get a job. But we give like 10 chances to people. You know, people have a hard time. There's so much stress in their life. For them to keep a job every day, it's very hard. So we, we have a, give them a lot of latitude. Well, our business managers sort of took that idea of latitude and then took it to an extreme. And so what I came and said, no, no, listen, we got to run the cafe and the bakery like a for-profit business. You know, our quality's got to be just as good. Our service has to be just as good. The only thing that makes it a nonprofit is we're going to have two to three times as much labor as a for-profit business would have because it's a training program. We need to teach people how to work along the way. Yeah. And so it was trying to sort of get the message across to the business folks of Homeboy because it's program folks. Business folks is, no, no, no. You're responsible for cost of goods, product quality, close out the registers, all that stuff. Yeah. And we're going to be in a trauma-informed therapeutic environment to give people lots of chances. Mm, Yeah. No, that's really good. And I think that uh, I appreciate you kind of just explaining the distinction and... um yeah, it's it's such a um it's a mindset uh you know in so many different areas. I love the way that you guys approach these you know these socially justice, social cause, um social entrepreneurship uh business whatever like buzzword you mm-hmm. want to use to describe them, but they all have a purpose. Um there's obviously a a, a purpose and a reason behind each and every one of them. And for people that are, you know, again, are maybe unfamiliar, talk to us about the different kind of arms, legs, <laughs> you know, uh, branches of uh, Homeboy and what the purpose behind each of them is. Yeah. So really, uh, we're, we're first and foremost, a human services agency. And, uh, you know, 10,000 people come through Homeboy's doors every year to get some type of service and help. And they're, they're really the population we serve, uh, formerly incarcerated gang involved. And um, so on the program side, we, you know, we take off 12,000 tattoos a year. You know, you can't get it. It's hard to get a job if you got all this stuff on your face. So we take, we help take off tattoos. All this is for free. We do NA classes, AA classes. Uh, We get people their GED equivalency. We have a lot of mental health therapies and all that. And then on the business side, we have our cafe and we have our bakery and we have a silkscreen operation. We have a homeboy electronic recycling. And look, the value of having these businesses is 
Look, there are over 200 different gangs in the county of Los Angeles, mm. and we pull people from all over Los Angeles. And we do, as an example, in our bakery, it's artisan breads, we, it's hand roll. So we have guys standing shoulder to shoulder who are gang enemies rolling dough together, wow. baking bread, right? And, and to fundamental to this is a point, Greg says this all the time, you know, you, you can't hate somebody you're in a relationship with, right? Yep. Yep. And, and there are stories and stories of folks who are gang enemies, my enemies in outside of prison, in prison, but when they come together, they they're they're working among each other and they start caring for each other. And so that happens in the bakery, happens in the homegirl cafes, mostly a women's oriented business because there's you know, this whole dynamic of how the trauma of women with gangs is different, and and so homegirl catering operations. So it's a family, and what people you know you would hear the words from our client. We call them trainees. They talk to homeboy as a family. Yeah. It's really the only family they've ever had because why they joined the gang is, again, the absence of family, absence of someone who loved them. And so our different businesses are about helping people learn not just to work and show up every day and to look customers in the eye, but also to understand that you're part of a team, you're, part of, you're, you're working with the enemy, and you, you shouldn't be demonizing them along the way. One of the things you said earlier that struck me was how working at Homeboy has changed you. And obviously, Homeboy has changed thousands and thousands of lives over the years. And uh, obviously, I want to get to those stories. But I want to hear your story. What, how did you kind of come, maybe you came into Homeboy with kind of one idea of what it would look like to work uh, with some of these people and what your mindset is now and how working at Homeboy has really changed and affected you. Yeah, um, sure. Thank you for asking that question. The look, I came to Homeboy, um, you know, with the sense of I want clearly wanted help, and and you know, all our life we, you know, in our corporate world, we're taught to be part of your community and help out, and we donate a lot of money and all those things, and and I wanted to, and clearly wanted to help, but I I had the hubris of a corporate executive of a you know that ran almost a two billion dollar business, and I thought okay, I can come in, I can just sort of you know, take me six months, I'll fix things up, and I'll leave and go go, go do something different, right? Yeah. And what I came to learn is, wow, the plight our folks have, I mean, there really are two Americas, the America that I live in and most probably everybody maybe listening to this lives in, and then the plight of the really poor, the demonized, the people that society wants to throw away mm. and how it's so stacked up against them. If, you're, if they're trying to do the right thing and move their life forward, there's so many barriers in place. And so Along the way, I learned that, wow, homeboys appear to help them change their life. And so what can we do as an organization to kind of knock down those barriers? So that's, there's a big amount that I've learned there. And then the other thing is, as I said this at the beginning, people change their life because they touch upon, we, we, we at Homeboy help them see the goodness that's in them, that God put goodness in every one of us. And when people sort of, when we put up a mirror and they can see that goodness, they can hold on to that and transform their pain and move their life forward. And listening to our folks talk about their spirituality, their values, sort of freed me up to start talking about my own and learn more about my own spirituality. Because look, in the corporate world, you can't talk anything about yeah. <laughs> God yeah. and your own spirituality. And it's, for, it's one of those forbidden topics. And it's, it was very freeing to be able to be in dialogue with, you know, the story. So we, I do a lot of hiking here in the West Coast. We hike Mount Whitney. Uh, so I took a couple of homies up to hike one of the highest mountains in the state of California. And along the way, we started just talking in the car, a buddy of mine and, and two, of the, two of our clients, and they started talking about gospel passages. And I'm listening to them, how they're talking about it. I'm thinking, well, they have a much deeper understanding of this than I do. Mm. And it started making me think, how do I, I got to start paying more attention and listening to what they have to say, and then see how, they can, how they've changed their life via their spirituality, which helped me change my life as well. Mm. I love that. I love that you you talked about the importance almost of just of listening and how yeah. you came in with that corporate hubris, as you said, and how more often than not, we learn by listening. You know, I think it was like my mom who was always like, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, listen more right. than you talk yourself. Um, so you have a uh, book that when mm -hmm. it, did it already release? Is it really uh, mid-February? Mid Mid-February. So it's coming out soon. Coming so out. Everybody listening, you can pre-order it right now. Um, and it's called The Homeboy Way. The Homeboy Way. That's mm -hmm. say that three times fast. Um, a radical approach to business and life. 
talk to us about this book, the heart behind it, and and what your goal in getting this message out into the world is. Yeah, the, the goal is, you know, look, I started writing, the, I started thinking about this book for a while, that if, if I was ever to go back to the for-profit world, what lessons would I take that I've learned at Homeboy and yeah. bring back to the for-profit world, right? And so that's how I started writing it. And then along the way, it's sort of what, but then I started also writing it towards, look, the Homeboy way, there's a lot of ways of describing the Homeboy way, but it's, if you think about it, I just said there's two Americas, the, the one for the really poor and the one we all live in. Homeboy helps those people in the really poor America move their life forward. So in the times of racial uh, inequities and, and social justice and economic inequities, boy, Homeboy has helped people move up out of those situations. We've been on the front lines all these years. So helping people the Homeboy way is a way of, of society to solve those problems. So and one is like, what lessons of leadership do you take? Second is, boy, if I just explain what Homeboy does each and every day to help people, and if more organizations and people do it the same way, we can help more folks. Mm. And third is a little bit my story about how a, a, a corporate executive type can actually start finding his own spiritual path yeah. and how it's important to find work-life balance. Mm. So that's the three main purposes. But you know, in there is like, there's so many notions that you just want to sort of the shed that you, know, you grow up in the way we grow up in the, thinking that there's a meritocracy for all, but to me, it's not really for, for poor people along the way. They, you know, they can't bootstrap themselves up because they have no bootstraps, as Martin Luther King says. So there's yeah. so many things that as I sat and listened to Greg and the team talk about how to help people, it's sort of counterintuitive. And I kind of talk through those stories and, and tell people what I've learned via, via Homeboy. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Thomas to thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. Are you looking to clean up your household cleaning products this year? Well, Mama Suds is here to help. Now, the best way is simply to start with one product. So every time you run out of a specific cleaning product, just replace it with a non-toxic one. Or another tip is to purchase a product that has multiple uses. The Mama Suds collection has many multiple use products like their Castile soap, the toilet bombs, or the multi-purpose cleaner. Their blog even has a ton of great tips and Castile soap recipes that you can print and make a lot of your own effective cleaners. So give them a try at mamasuds.com. That's M-A-M-A-S-U-D-S.com and use the coupon code Molly, that's M-O-L-L-Y for 15% off your order. Now back to my conversation with Thomas Fazzo. Well, you just kind of alluded to it and I was going to ask you to kind of break this down for us because I think this is something that is so... Uh, man, it is just, it is so relevant right now. It's applicable in every one of our lives. And obviously, especially through the pandemic, a lot of these things have been amplified in so many ways. Um, and that's this idea of the the quote unquote, like rules of life that we live with, um, that we need to let go of to really help make our society, our communities more just and more equitable. Share a little bit about that with us. Yeah, thank you. The um... Yeah, let me think of it from this perspective. So look, the, the percentage of poverty in America has been the same for 40 years. Right. And and so, so at some point we got to pick our heads up and say, let's let's do something different um, along the way. And people, like if I, if I take the example of, of gang members, right? They're not in gangs because they want to be in gangs. They're almost preordained to be in gangs. They're, you know, they're jumped into a gang when they're 12, 13 years old, right? And when they're leaving the gang, right, it's not about I mean, they deep down, they know what they're doing is not, not right. And they don't want to be in prison. They don't want to do that. But there's no other alternatives for them. It's hard for them to get a job. Now, one would say, well, it's, you know, once they went in prison, they got to, you know, yes, they go in prison, they do the prison sentence. When they come out, we got to help them. We can't just say, you know what, you've been in prison now. You got to work. You got to find your way forward. Yeah, no, they need help. So uh, let me give you this one story and let's see if this answer that. So Homeboy also runs farmers markets. Yeah. So we got 26 farmers markets around the County of Los Angeles. It's great because our guys were very uncomfortable talking to people who look like me, but you put them out in the farmer's market and they sell bread and they talk about it. One of our best farmer's market guys was George. And so the, the interesting thing about our business model in farmer's markets is and it would, it would send any auditor from a corporation spinning out of control because what we do is our, our trainees, we have them take our vans out, we have them pick up the bread, take the vans out, set the tables, sell the bread, Bring the cash back and put it back in the in the cash box and report out. Now, there's no controls in there, but people do the right thing because they're part of a bigger team. All right. Anyways, George, one of our best guys. I was walking through the bakery and I heard George talking to the bakery manager saying, Hey, can you take the weekend off? He's gonna miss the two markets. So me being a normal, you know, 
oh, I'm thinking, okay, George, oh, you're going to go away. You're, you're taking the weekend off to have, to have uh, uh, time off. And so he says to me, no, he says he's reporting it to jail because he came out of prison and he still has, there's, you know, you come out of prison, you have a lot of debt. You have restitution charges, you have court charges, you have parole charges, it is charge upon charge and charge. And if you don't have a job that you make a lot of money, it's hard to pay off that debt. Mm. And so at that time in Los Angeles County, you can report in and do three days in county jail and, and burn down that amount of money you owe. So he's telling me, yep, he's going to report in on Thursday night and be back on Monday morning. And I said, oh, I'm thinking, I walk away saying, hmm, that's a really responsible thing to do. He could have borrowed that money, but he didn't want to take high interest loans. He could have stole the money. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to do it the right way. He's trying to do it the right way. And I walk away. That's pretty good. Next week, I see him on Tuesday. And I just said, you know, George, how, how to go? He said, oh, well, I said, I'm not sure if I should have done that. I said, well, why? What happened? Well, he has custody of his two young children. They were uh, eight and, and 10 years old. And the person who was supposed to watch his kids while he went reported into jail couldn't do it. Mm. And so he had this choice. Should he go or should he not go? But he owed the money. And so he had his kids stay home on their own in the apartment for three days when he left to go into jail mm. to pay down his debt. Mm. And it's like he was, and so he's worried the whole time. Now we all would be worried. We have kids, we all would be worried. So the point is, is if everybody's listening, it's like what yeah, well, I learned at home, you have to resist the urge to judge. You have to resist the urge to say, well, you didn't maybe maybe you should have taken a loan, maybe you shouldn't have done that, maybe you shouldn't have done this. Oh no. The problem is our folks are faced with all these challenges. They got to make these choices every day. And yet here's a guy trying to do the right thing and he's left with tough choices. Long story to say, you can't judge our folks for, as they're trying to change their life and move forward. You have to go out of our way to bring them extra resources, yeah. give them more time. Yeah, let's pay down their debts, <laughs> help them pay down their debts. They're not going to get ahead. They're not going to get to be able to keep a job, get a job and do all that. So the lesson here is we as a society, if we want to move people out of poverty and move people out of these structures, we have to do more than we're doing today. Man, that's such a powerful story. And you're right. It's it, it, so often we get clouded um, in our own experiences and just think, well, I would have made a different decision. And it's just like, no, right. a lot of times it's people are making impossible choices. And I remember some of the populations of um, young girls that we were working with um, in the anti-human trafficking space here. You know, a lot of these girls, again, were coming out of the gang life. They, as many were coming out of, um, you know, abusive situations, uh, you know, or their parents had completely abandoned them and suddenly they're 15 years old and they're on their own. And um, they're just making a series of impossible decisions. Right. And it's a lose-lose no matter right. which way you look at it. And um, I love the way that you you just eloquently described it's not our position to to judge people by their which impossible decision they chose. That's right. Rather, what can we do to come around those people and say, how can I help you, you know, and come alongside you and support you as you're trying to, you know, improve and, and better your life and and things like that. That kind of leads me to another thing that I really wanted to talk with you about. And that's just you know, obviously story is powerful. Stories are powerful. And you have a whole Rolodex, you know, for the young <laughs> children. Let me explain what a Rolodex is. I'm just kidding. Yes. Um, but you have a whole, you know, Rolodex of stories uh, that have uh, of homeboys and homegirls who have, you know, come from those positions of making impossible decisions and have completely um, turned their lives around. Is there a favorite homeboy or homegirl, or you can do one of each story that really kind of comes top of mind? Oh my gosh, there's, there's so many stories. And I'm not going to say favorite stories. Yeah. yeah. Maybe let's just so say the one that first comes to mind. <laughs> well, listen, so I mean, let me, let me first say something and then we'll go to the stories. I mean, um, you know what? I think what makes Homeboy, we've thrived over the last number of years. Uh, one, we have a very generous community support. We were mostly live on donations along the way. But um, what makes the mission work is that over half of our management team are former clients. Mm, right? That's awesome. And so people have lived experience. And so people know what it's take lives to be in gang life. And so just seeing somebody change your life before your eyes is pretty phenomenal. And then to see them grow into leadership and management is just you know, as a, I'm an older person, you feel like you're a proud, a proud parent yeah. but, um, a, a, along the way. But I got to say, um, yeah, there's, I'm just going to touch on a few stories, but 
our folks, who I've kind of also learned from our folks, is how generous and gracious they are. It's, you know, my wife and I, we're probably typical people. We, we don't know that money. We don't know the church. We don't know the schools and all that stuff, right? But our folks will give almost their last dollar to help to help somebody out. And so uh, there's one story of one of our guys. He's a, a head of our security team, uh, was incarcerated for many, many years, went in 18, came out. And a super nice guy, has Native American um, ancestry. So he sort of has a lot of Native American culture. And for a number of years after, I, when he first came home, boy, I saw he had a silver necklace on. And, uh, and, it, and it means something in his culture and what that's about. Okay. So part of the story is, so like us, like a lot of nonprofits, we take donations from all sorts of things. If people want to, you know, and I'm talking about a car. So a woman calls us up and wants to donate a car. And cars are very important for us because so many of our people have to cross gang territory to get to Homeboy. And so public transportation gets to be problematic because they're the bus stops and gang in the uh, gang enemies territory. Very dangerous. So getting people cars is important. So someone, um, so when someone says they're going to donate a car, we, we run out and get it. So a woman called up, uh, her, her daughter just told us, daughter just passed away. She wants to donate a car. Uh, we sent our guy over to, hey, you know, please go pick up the car. By the way, you know, the woman's daughter just passed away. So when Miguel got there, though, he, um, she, he, sat, he sat with the woman for a half hour while she talked about her daughter. And he learned how the, his da- her daughter was killed by, by a, a, I don't know if a drunk driver, but some type of collision along the way. And, and so when, Miguel's, when Miguel comes back and tells me that the woman was nice and still in, mother's still sorry about it and all. And I'm looking at Miguel and I realize he doesn't have his necklace on. I said, and then, he, and then Miguel says, yes. And, and so he said, in my culture, what I want to do is pass my culture along to this woman and help her out. That this meant so much to me in that help her heal her wounds. He gave her his necklace, mm-hmm. his, his silver necklace. I seen that. I seen him wear that necklace for years. And so that, that was a moment of like uh, generosity and, and, and grace that I sat back. After I listened to Miguel tell that story. Ah, well, I have done something. Well, I've taken a family, family heirloom and just handed it off to almost a stranger along the way. I don't know. I don't think so. But so that's the, the beauty about our people is they care so much about others. Yeah. As, they, as, they, as what they learn is as they have to keep growing in themselves, they, they care for others. And they're such, and they're such good advocates. And you know, I'll say what, one more thing. You know, it's, I say this to folks a lot is that at Homeboy, you know, if you are trying to see God every day, Homeboy is the easiest place to see God. It, yeah. You can just see it in people's actions. You can see it in how they treat each other. You can, you can see it in their generosity and their kindness. And so there's, now there's lots of story. I also have stories, a book of this, this heartbreak, there's struggles, but at all, I'm trying to show that, what do you learn? Well, how do I change my life being, being around our, our community? Man. Oh man. What a powerful story. Well, it's funny because I was kind of thinking, uh, or not funny, that's the wrong word to say, but it's just, yeah. I was thinking, uh, I almost want to like sandwich this because um, I'd love for you to share, um, you know, obviously the the bread and butter, so to speak, of Homeboy has been working with, um, you know, male gang members. And I love to hear a story of working with women and, and kind of how that has been different. But kind of here in the middle, I think about one of the things that is there a particular story or, um, you know, kind of a challenging situation that you've encountered over the last nine years that, you know, you kind of think about at night, it's really you hold on to it. And you think about it's that story that impacts, I've got to keep going, we've got to keep going. Um, Is there a story that just, and it doesn't necessarily have a pretty bow ending? No, no, that's right. There's two, there's two stories and just happen to be women, two homegirls, different stories. So one is Pauline, um, African-American woman come to homeboy, you know, at homeboy people come and go, right. They don't always, we're not, it's not a linear path of transformation. You know, they're with us for four or five months and they fall backwards. Uh, then they, you know, we tell them when you're ready for us again, come back. So anyway, so oftentimes we have people, um, and it takes a number of times for that, for it to really sink in. But with Pauline, um, she worked in our bakery. She had a troubled life, um, hardcore gang member, long prison stints, no family support system. And so she was always friendly. And so she was, and she, and she was always very polite to me and to everybody, to me. But so here's the story. So, so, but she has some health issues along the way. And so we've helped her in that sense. And this is a sort of understanding that there's two Americas for healthcare, for, for yeah. sure. There's yeah. what we I all get. And then what, what's left for the people of poor in our society. And so I remember Pauline's story though. So it was always up and down. 
you know, she got into debt with a car, you know, car payment was only $2,000. We got into debt. And this was early on when we were living on the edge, not having much money. And we try to help people out as much as possible. And so uh, she owed money on her car. She came to us looking for money. We had no, we had actually no money in our bank accounts, which is a story for another day. No money in our homeboy coffers to help her out. Uh, but we said, this was on Thursday. We said, but maybe Monday we may, right? But then when she, she came in to work on Monday morning and uh, was crying to her case manager, and they tell me this story later that over the weekend, she turned tricks to, she turned to prostitution to take, get on the money because she knew she was in trouble to how to pay that debt. Mm. And so, so it struck me that the choice that she made to pay her debt and how could what have we done differently to get her money on that Thursday versus Monday, right? Which was, you can't overthink that sometimes, but that's, the, that's part of Tammy's story. And then, you know, six, seven months later, so Tammy had heart surgery and being poor, you don't get the best of care and she got sent home too soon. And then she struggled for two or three more months and then she died at 45 mm-hmm. of, of heart attack, right? And I know, I know that if she was my daughter, she wouldn't have died of a heart attack. We would have had other health care in place. We would have done something different in place. I just know it deep down. I just know it. Yeah. And we would have been able to help her. Other story of Carmen, old school Chola. I mean, she was you know, she's like four foot eight tall, um, ball of energy. But essentially, she's mentally ill, right? And, but she, and so I'm thinking, but she was very friendly, gang member, had a mean streak to her strung out on drugs, in and out of homeboy so often, but she would always come in, give you a big hug. She'd always come in and try to teach me some homeopathic way of, <laughs> some old Mexican way of some illness. You take lime, you take salt and whatever, and you move it forward. But here she is living on the streets. How we in our society, the richest country in the world, richest county, Los Angeles County, it's so wealthy. She's living on the streets. There's no mental health institution for her. She can't get in any county agency. She's living on the streets and her, and her family, her son is a professor up you know, two counties north, but he can't have her around her, his family and her young kids because of what, what she does. So that's the story. It's like, like, how was it as a, again, society allow someone to have to live on the streets and, and, and who really deep down just has mental illness and needs to be medicated and needs, needs to have someone care for them. But there's structures not in place for that to happen. So Two, so to me, I, I, every day I'm thinking about Pauline and Carmen. How can we, at homeboy, do more? <laughs> what can we do to help them? And then what can we do to shine a light on? Come on, as, as a society, we need to do more. Man, man. Yeah. I, and I, I think that those, you know, those stories are the ones that, that keep us up at night. Those are the stories that just think about, you know, how can we, how can we be doing better? How can we be taking uh, steps forward? Okay, well, I want to I want to button yeah. that up with yeah, yeah, uh, sure. tell us a, a homegirl story that, you know, and, and explain a little bit like why the, the you know, obviously, we talked at the beginning about how there's trauma involved in all of this, but why there's a, you know, just a distinction in how working with women just looks different, obviously, than working with men. Yeah. So in the uh, gang world, it, you know, gang memberships, like 90% men, 10% women, right? But there's a lot of women, though, that are gang affiliated or gang involved because a lot of women are with the guys and gangs. And so they're always around and they kind of take on that type of um, mindset. Right. But, you know, as much as and I, I say this in a sense, it sounds odd how I say it sometimes as much as society is demonized gang members, men. But in like the hierarchy, if there's a hierarchy there, women are like one step below because they are abused by those those men. Yeah. I mean, so almost all the women have been abused by their men who are in gangs Mm -hmm. and domestic violence is a is a big issue clearly in 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 what i'm talking about and you know if you think about how as what we see is that people transform their life you know they give up their habits you know they give up they give up their gang we ask them to give up their gang we ask them to give up their drugs we have to give up their hustle last thing they give up is beating the woman Mm. but and that and we got to get them through that too and so uh so thereby the women that we work with have you know, we have all that experience that we have to help them, all that pain that we, that we help them through and we help them through as, as a community. Yeah. 
uh, along the way. So, uh, so our team's really terrific. Again, like half our team have lived experience. I said management, and it's pretty much split between men and women. Um, and you know, our our women leaders are just so good about mentoring other women. Uh, so what they got to do to change their life and take a stand and move it forward. Yeah. So that's that's why why we have these women only locations. Yeah. Yeah. And so is there a particular homegirl story that really stands out to you as one that has been uh, particularly impactful or uh, life changing? Yeah. I mean, there's, well, there's a lot of stories and I, I'll just pick one and it turns out to be a close one to me, my, my administrative assistant. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, look, look, I'm a guy who, again, and the corporate world, I had, I had two administrative assistants when I was running my, you had all the assistants, right? <laughs> <laughs> had all assistants and all that. Right. So, but at homeboy, we like try to teach people these jobs. And so, uh, I, I you know, rotate through as people come into our program. You know, what's important to say about homeboy is people are with us eight, about 18 months and they go off and get other jobs outside of homeboy along the way. So anyway, so, um, so my assistant, so she, she was in youth camp, which means youth jail here in Los Angeles County uh, as a youth in and out a number of times in gangs, uh, a number of in gangs involved. And she, uh, she came to homeboy when she was about 17 years old maybe even a little bit younger and was with us for a couple of years, uh, single mother on her own, no family support, gets pulled back into the gangs all the time. Then lots of tattoos all over her face and all that. Right. And so we put her in as my assistant. And, and I, what I got, the beauty of this is I got to see her from early on change, change her life around. And I got, to, so she, she's fiercely loyal. She's a smart woman. She just had no support along the way. And so we, we taught her the job and she's a very dedicated employee. You know, we're, we have a board. And so we have early board meetings at 7 a.m. And she makes sure she gets there 630 and gets the room set up. And, and you know, her phone skills weren't good at the beginning, but now they're, they're, they're better now. And same thing with her computer skills. And so along the way, she never finished high school. She never got her GED. But while working at Homeboy, she got, we enrolled her in community college. So about 25% of our folks, we get to community college. Uh, and then she started doing well there. And then um, she started obviously doing better in her job. And now she's enrolled at UCLA and she's a senior at UCLA and she's getting A's, straight A's. And she wants to be a, she wants to be a, a lawyer. That's and awesome. she had a summer internship at the public defender's office. And so I, I still remember, it's like, I'm smiling here. People can't see that, but it's like, I remember she gave me, show me a photo of her summer internship where she has her, her her ID that says public defender's office. Now this is this comes from a hardcore gang member who's been incarcerated with tattoos and struggling life, but she didn't want to give up. And at Homeboy, we they provide that support structure. And, and it's really the the women at Homeboy who really helped her navigate through a lot of the struggles uh, uh, that she was going through uh, a long way. And, and the mentors, the men mentors at Homeboy helped her really kind of helped her through the dynamics of the gang gang territories where she was forced to live and all that stuff. So it takes kind of this cliche, it takes a village to sort of help somebody. But here she is, it's like, oh my gosh, because she was now with us four or five years, we've seen how much she's grown and how she's thriving and how she's ready to take on the world. Oh, so awesome. I love that story so much. Um, And I love the way that you just smile through telling it. Now, as we uh, approach the end of the conversation here, there was a couple more things that I really wanted to um, ask you about. And that's um, obviously Father Boyle, the founder of Homeboy, has this was a lot in a lot of ways, like his vision and what the Lord placed on his heart uh, come to life. What is the most important thing that you have learned from Father Boyle? Oh, well, come on. It can't be the most important. There's just so many things. I, <laughs> I know, <laughs> so, and that's true. That's a really hard question. There's so many things I learned. But if you're going to force me to say one, because I'll short my answer, that God loves all of us mm. without a doubt. Mm-hmm. He's too busy loving us to judge us. Mm. And, and, that's, and you see that in all Greg's actions and how we, how we think about people and how we approach life. Man. Oh, that's Simple. good. And then my other question before we get to the get to know you questions is... You know, you mentioned talking about how, you know, you, you see these guys rolling dough, you know, in the bakery and and they're from rival gangs and, and they were in, you know, they were enemies on the street and they were enemies in, in uh, prison and now they're working together and the importance of kind of being in relationship with each other. What is something that you have learned that maybe you apply in your own life um, to how we can work 
uh, you know, through conflict um, and tension, both maybe it's in relationships and the workplace, um, from what you've seen, uh, a lot of these um, homeboys and homegirls, how they've worked through their their own, you know, biases against each other. Um, is there is there something in particular that you've learned that you've implemented in your own life? Yeah, so let me, let me tell you this quick little story. Uh, and it comes about a different way. One of our, na- we have Navigator now, one of the guys. So we have a morning meeting where we have, we get together in a space and people give uh, the thought of the day and it's rotating. One of our navigators was given a thought of the day as to what he's, he's on his way out of the program at this time. He was going to get a job elsewhere. And so he was trying to give advice to the younger trainees who are not young men, but new trainees of the organization. And he was talking about the importance of sort of not work, just work therapy and all that. But it, essentially he was telling the story that when he was a new, new, trainee, a homeboy, new client, that his supervisor, Jose, asked him, supervisor, case manager, asked him, hey, you know, can, can you go over and, and, and pick up that trash over there? And uh, Gary's quick response was, you saw first, you pick it up. <laughs> 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 and so, so then Gary said, what he learned was, it's, so he's telling the story that he's, you got to kind of as a client, you got to kind of dig down and you got to do the got to do the work. You got to start from the bottom up and do the work. That's not my message, right? My message is here: insubordination. Right? Yeah. There's something behind insubordination. There's something behind. There's 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 that guy who was angry coming in. Maybe his baby mama drama. Maybe his parole officer just called him that day. Maybe he has found out he's got more debt. Maybe he just found out his is one of his homies overdosed on heroin. You don't know what's going on in people's lives just by the interaction you may have with them in a moment in a workplace. There may be something way more beyond what it is. And so what I've kind of tried to learn is that you kind of look at, you don't, you don't try to change behavior. You look at what causes behavior. And that's what I kind of learned at Homeboy. And so what I've tried to learn in my life is as you know, interactions with people, it's like, well, what, I'm trying to think, well, why do they say it that way? What's really behind their frustration, their pain, or their anger along the way? And that's 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 what I've learned. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right, Thomas. Now is the portion of the show where we transition just a little bit. We ask a couple fun get to know you questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so are you ready for the get to know you? Sure. Part? All right. Question number one. This is specific to you because I am curious. What is your favorite food and drink at the Homegirl Cafe? <laughs> that's good. Uh, well, love people love our chili killies, mm. right? I'm giving you an advertisement. People like love our grilled cheese sandwiches on homeboy made bread. I love it. But I need to be gluten free, so I can't have those. <laughs> Got to watch that gluten. <laughs> Got to watch that gluten. All right, so I have the I have the carne asada tacos. Ooh, carne asada tacos. Now I'm hungry. Right, with the specially made homegirl hot sauce. Oh, all right. Now they, I'm they hungry. Keep it, they keep it's, it behind the counter for me. It's lunchtime right now where I am, where we're recording this. And so now I'm real hungry for tacos. Uh, I love it. Okay. If someone were to play you eventually in a movie, who would you want to play you in a movie? <laughs> well, listen, so let, let me, I'm going to answer it this way. So uh, Homeboy has been pretty well known. And there are a couple of folks who've tried to and ha- since we live in LA, try to make a movie of Homeboy mm-hmm. or a TV show. Of Homeboy. I've always wondered why there hasn't been one. But... Right, right, right. And so we, you know, so the story is who's going to play Father Gray, right? And so it, whenever it comes to like being a comedy, right, it's like okay, well, someone's going to write this show, and they're going to have a CEO type guy in the show, right? And we're going to have Father Greg. So it's probably like some famous actor going to be Father Greg. And I'm probably going to have like Steve Carell from The Office play me. I love it. <laughs> CEO. But that's not who I would want to play me oh, as okay. CEO. But okay. that's, but you know, we'll go with that. All right. I like it. I mean, I'm a big fan <laughs> of The Office. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. I like it. Yeah. Um, okay. What is on your m- current, like most played playlist on like Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to music? What are you listening to right now? Uh, so I'm a New Jersey native, so I listen to a lot of Bruce Springsteen. Like it, like right. it, without a doubt. Like and then it. on the on the side when I'm doing my work, I, I do a lot of uh, classical music. But yeah, it's let's let's go with Bruce Springsteen. I like it. I also have like my work focus playlist, mm-hmm. and I listen to movie scores. I know maybe that's mm-hmm. weird, but I I and, like I like movie scores. But then sometimes I'll be like sitting, and my playlist will be going. All of a sudden, it's like the movie score from Forrest Gump, and I start crying, and it's a whole thing. So, um, <laughs> all right. And then this is my last question, and this is the question I ask all my guests, and that is, uh, Thomas, what does it mean to you to run a business or a nonprofit with purpose? Yeah, listen, I love my corporate career. Twenty six years is very successful. Love my career. Love being around my all those people. 
but now to go run a business that actually helped change people's lives and change the trajectory of their lives is um, so it's very important to me. And it's so rewarding. Uh, you know, it's, I thought I'd be doing this for a year or two and I'm now nine years in and still, still loving what I do. Yeah. And so to my, you know, oftentimes we get asked to talk to a lot of business schools and, and young people think about social entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I say, yeah. Absolutely. But I feel so blessed that I've had this great career and I'm ending my career with understanding what it's like to help people. Imagine if I started my career with the focus of helping people each and every day, it would even been better. Oh, I love it. Thomas, this is fantastic. I loved getting to know you, hearing more of the heart behind Homeboy. Uh, for everybody listening, we're going to have uh, the details for how you can connect with and support Homeboy um, Industries uh, in the show notes, along with uh, a link to the book. You can pre-order it right now, and pre-orders are a huge deal for authors. So please, right. please, please go pre-order this book, The Homeboy Way, A Radical Approach to Business and Life. Thomas, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Molly. It was fun. Friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. Find me on social media. I'm at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast when you're sharing the show with a friend. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs, business owners, community leaders who are changing the world. If you are a regular listener of the show, thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Click that subscribe or follow button. To click that button means you will never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to just leave a review? Would you take a moment to maybe share one of your favorite episodes with a friend? Leaving a review, sharing the show with a friend, It is totally free for you. And it is the biggest help for me in the entire world. You have no idea how much I appreciate it. It just also helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. As always, this show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.